This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Audible. We know that you don't have a lot of time to sit down and read. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Go deeper with audio content from Audible. You can download a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash onboys to download your free book and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash onboys. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. How much do you know about my LOL? Kick and WeChat. These are just a few apps that you may or may not have heard of. Our guest today is going to shed some light on all of this. He's been on our show before sharing about his book, The Pride Guide, a guide to sexual and social health for LGBTQ youth. This book is a valuable resource for parents, but also for teenagers who are are exploring their identity, sex, dating, relationships, puberty, and physical and online safety are all addressed with Joe's candor and care. Taking the issue of online safety to another and very important level is his new podcast, Appropriate. Imagine the app is uppercase because this podcast is the definitive source for helping us figure out what all those apps are that our kids are using, whether they're safe, how much our kids are using them, and what we don't know about them. And you can count me in that category. I'm excited to learn a lot from you today, Joe Langford. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me back. We're that so was glad. A really nice intro. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. We're so glad to have you here to help us navigate this crazy, ever changing landscape. <clears throat> and, you know, hopefully educating ourselves without the panic and also keeping our kids safe and wise online. I like what you said about the panic. I think 
that is one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast. I mean, I speak a lot about apps in general when I when I go to schools and meet with parent groups. The apps is um, by far my most popular talk. Uh, but I get so many calls and emails from panicked parents going like, what is this thing? And look what happened. And this is what I found out my kid was doing or somebody was trying to do to my kid. So I think the the panic issue is is a big one. I, I think I, I sort of encourage parents to kind of get a stance of like sort of self-care and being aware of things, not not beware all the time. Like parents are so afraid now and they can judge themselves pretty harshly, I think but really just understanding like things can go south and there's bad guys out there and these issues can happen with your kid. And just knowing that those kind of specters are out there, but not acting or having to like spend your day worrying that it's happening to your kid right now. Uh, That doesn't really necessarily help anyone. What's your advice for how parents can approach this from a more moderate tone rather than that panicked tone? So often we feel like we're coming at it from like behind the eight ball. We didn't know anything about this and these apps are proliferating far faster than we can keep up. So what's your advice for parents to kind of center their own minds before we even dig into this conversation? I think really just, like you said, just getting centered and like, and breathing, right? The thing I use when I talk to parents or when when families are in my office and I just say, did you wear a seatbelt on your way here? And they say, yes, of course. And I said, do you wear the seatbelt in your car because you know for sure that you're going to get into a car accident tonight or today, right? Or did you do you wear your seatbelt because you understand that you could get into an accident at any time? And it's more of a proactive stance that I think is more powerful and like you said, centering than you know, gripping the steering wheel. Oh my God, something terrible is about to happen while you're driving the car. Like that's just not helpful. So I think just that kind of breathing and staying centered is kind of the main thing. I also tend to try to let parents off the hook a little bit. Um, Parents, all of us, I mean, we judge ourselves so harshly Mm -hmm. um, and each other sometimes as well, but it, it, you know, parenting is hard and social media is a dynamic that we just didn't really have growing up. We had, you know, kind of our version of it, I guess, but but not in the way that, that our children are having to deal with it today. And and some parents kind of feel like they have to know the ins and outs of every single bloody app. And it's just impossible to do, you know? I do it professionally, have the podcast, but the the landscape is constantly shifting and even I get whiplash sometimes. Like it's just it it's so much pressure to think that you have to stay on top of all of the apps. You just can't do it. What are the most popular apps with, say, the tween age group and then the teen age group? Well, I would say probably for the tweens, like if you've got a middle schooler, it's going to be Instagram and probably TikTok. Like those are the two big ones that the, the like the tweens are using. I'm over here nodding because that goes exactly with what I see and hear at my yeah. house, what I hear them talking about. So yeah. Instagram, I have heard, this is going to bring up all of my uh, lack of knowledge in this area. So there's Finstagram and Instagram. So yeah. is this really a thing still that there's the hidden Instagram account and the real Instagram account? It's a thing. Um, if you say Finsta, then 
people will know what you're talking about. But in, with most of the kids that I'm working with, like the term like Finsta, short for fake Instagram, is kind of falling away. Most kids just say, oh, yeah, I have two Instagrams. I have four Instagrams. Which that- I always feel like I need to point out kids doing things behind their parents' backs is nothing new. Right. I mean, I was a good kid and I certainly did things my parents didn't know about. Janet, I'm sure you did. And Joe, I don't want to make too many assumptions, but yeah, you did too. You know? <laughs> I did a fair amount of sure. yeah. watching movies I wasn't supposed to watch and staying on the phone all night with my friends. And Exactly. The thing with the, the Finsta accounts, like it, basically the, the phenomenon is having having like your regular Instagram account that like mom and grandma are connected to, but then having this other Instagram account like on the side. And so a lot of people sort of kind of go, oh, that means they're up to something or it's scandalous or outrageous or something like that. And, and most of the time, like obviously that can happen. You know, that could be an Instagram where they have all their like sexy pictures that they don't want uncle so-and-so to see. Uh, but most of the time, honestly, with kids, they have a second Instagram account for like their soccer team or, you know, my son had one where he just likes pug dogs. And so he just had a separate Instagram that was just about pug dogs. Right. And so I love your son. I know he's, he's, a, he's a sweetie. <laughs> he was doing that not to be sneaky about something. I mean, he did it above table, but, you know, just to have uh, more of a curation to his mm-hmm. content, which I think is a great social skill, right? Like the Instagram account that maybe is your most importance and your actual confidants and your intimates that you have that you share personal things with could be different than the one you have with your that group that you're doing that science project with or the cousins or something like that. You know what I mean? And kids, you know, can get to have a private space that's just theirs. I think that's okay. Yeah. And even if it happens online, that's kind of okay as long as they can be transparent with it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the kids at Thanksgiving, yeah. right? Like they don't want to be hanging out with the grownups all the time. And yeah. as long as you can poke your head in and make sure that they're not like killing each other or burning the house down, then that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I like your analogy of the kids table at Thanksgiving. That's, uh, I like that. We always liked it when we were in the basement, actually. Right. Yeah. In the basement. Yes. So I want to make sure that we don't just skip over any apps. I want to make sure that we explain them to our listeners so that everybody can be educated today. So will you tell us about TikTok? Sure. Uh, TikTok is, um, TikTok is an interesting app that has been around for a while. Basically what TikTok is, is videoing yourself lip syncing to your favorite songs and usually dancing or whatever, like doing like a little uh, lip sync performance, but then you can share it with your friends. Definitely appeals more to younger kids. Uh, Older kids get goofy with it and they reenact memes or scenes from movies and stuff like that. But, uh, But little kids will do it and it's just a way to kind of uh, perform on a little stage that you control and then show your friends and laugh. Hasn't been a huge big threat um, in terms of predators, though that can happen and it it has happened, but most of the complaints that I get that I've experienced personally about TikTok have been parents who just get a little bit disturbed when their eight-year-old is dancing like Britney Spears or their 10-year-old is repeating Kanye West lyrics. <laughs> you know, it can just be a little disheartening and off-putting and shocking sometimes for the parents. Um, <laughs> but the predator threat is out there and it is kind of, it leans littler kid. And so you you just want to be on there with your kids if they're doing it. 
which is hilarious and cute because some of the videos are kind of adorable and the kids are really talented sometimes. And so it's a way for them to show off and, and kind of show how awesome they are and the parents can be involved and show a little interest in it. And, you know, that kind of, it's a nice, both Instagram and TikTok can be a fantastic way to bridge that gap between you know, the, the grownups and the parents and the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Touch a little bit on the fact that a kid might be creating content on TikTok, but it ends up getting shared elsewhere as well. So I know, for instance, like my guys watch a lot of TikTok videos on YouTube. Yeah. So most of the apps, um, at least for sure the big ones, can all be connected back to each other in this sort of six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of way, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can, you can you know, link your Instagram and your Facebook, um, you know, Twitter. Can, you can share TikTok videos on Twitter. Um, you can, you know, Snapchat can talk to all of them as well. They all sort of can bounce in and out of each other in different ways and you can link accounts. And so, um, yeah, that's always something to be aware of and definitely to have a conversation with kids, like, because once you put something out on the internet, what happens? You lose all control of it. And kids, especially younger ones or ones who haven't really started out, like TikTok is social networking, but it's, you know, it's like ankle deep social networking. It doesn't really necessarily, it's not, it doesn't feel the same way as like, Facebook or Twitter or something like that does, but it is social networking. And, and so it's important to have those conversations with kids. Like you are connecting yourself with other people that you don't necessarily know. And when you send out a video or you send out an image, you don't know where that's going to go necessarily. But I, what I advocate for generally with kids is to keep their social circles pretty small. If your kid has a TikTok account, and she's connected to her cousins or her three best friends from school, and they just have a little unit that they just share videos, the three of them, probably nothing bad is going to happen. Yeah, that's great advice. Keep your social circle small. And yeah. as parents, be aware and help your kids create those social circles. What would be, who would be logical to be in that circle? Um, right. I do want you to talk about Snapchat because <laughs> we've heard all sorts of things about Snapchat, good yeah. and not so good. Snapchat is out there. It's good and not so good. Uh, In terms of the ones that the high school kids are using, they will still be doing Instagram, but then at some point they are going to kind of jump the fence onto Snapchat. They really have hardly anything to do with Facebook anymore for lots of reasons, but mostly Facebook is where the old people hang out. Like the, that is definitely a grown up thing. It, and they just kind of want to skip that sort of. The one thing they do use Facebook for I've learned, especially if you have kids that are into motorsports and maybe other hobbies, they will join Facebook so that they can look at Facebook marketplace and see what cars are on sale and what motorcycles and what dirt bikes and four-wheelers are on sale. So that's yes. the only reason my teens are on Facebook. They will do face they will get Facebook accounts for like you said the utility of it, but they don't they're not on Facebook. Nope. Like nope. that would be They're on just enough to know if I post something about them, Joe. Yes, right. (laughs) And then, you know, so there's lots of things now where like, oh, you can log in with Facebook to do this thing and you can log in with Facebook to do that thing. And so they'll get a Facebook account so that they can log into and access other parts of the internet and, and kind of make signing in a little bit easier. 
but they just connect it to all their other social media. But sometimes it's a doorway in a utilitarian kind of way to get there. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so they kind of skip Facebook. They'll stay with Instagram um, pretty consistently, but they will kind of fold Snapchat into that, which definitely is a teenager thing. And Snapchat is complicated. <laughs> it is crazy, intensely popular, um, much like middle schoolers with Instagram. You know, with Instagram, it's like, I think something up in the, like the 80% of that age cohort is on Instagram. So for a seventh or eighth grader to not be on Instagram is almost becomes like a, a pretty clear social statement. Like they are literally sort of walling themselves off from a chunk of their peer group. Um, and Snapchat can be that as well in high school. Um, as they get older into high school, everybody is on Snapchat. And that's not technically true, but it definitely feels like it. And it's not really that far off from technically true. Um, the numbers of Snapchat are just enormous. So explain Snapchat to our listeners. Okay. So Snapchat is a pretty viral form of social networking where you can take pictures, you can take videos, you can draw on them, give captions, tag people. Um, you can add in sounds and do special effects, alter things in really cool and unique ways, and then send them to one person, or you can send them to everyone who is on Snapchat, and you can put timers on them, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and then they disappear magically into the ether, never theoretically to be seen again. And so the reputation they had for a long time was that was what you used to send naked pictures of yourself to people because it'll disappear and there's no consequences. So don't worry about it. And Snapchat definitely leaned into that culture because I think the numbers have grown so big. I think they're starting to grow themselves up a little bit and trying to um, approach social networking a little bit more maturely um, understanding that they might actually be a contender for real long-term client base rather than just like kids doing stupid crap. So uh, I think that they're trying to grow themselves up a little bit. Um, they have lots of features that other social networking platforms are copying, um, like stories uh, where you kind of have like a, like a daily projection of what your day was like. You take a picture of you doing this and you snap a story about you doing this and you add it to your story and it's like a 24 hour long day in the life of whoever, right? For your audience to have. Um, they also use it for just regular texting instead of mortal texting. A lot of people just communicate straight through Snapchat. That's what um, I see a lot with my yeah. guys. I mean, they will take, I know they're snapping because we're in a dark living room and they're playing video games or something and they kind of take a little stupid picture just so that they can type some words or write something on it and continue the conversation they were having with their friends. Yeah. So it's an interesting way to stay in contact with people. And it's kind of nicer in some ways than, you know, Instagram tends to be pretty posed and curated. You'll take the eight pictures and you put the one that you really like on, on Instagram. And Facebook is a little bit like that too. But on Snapchat, people share their like messy bedrooms and their hair and their mouthful of food and all those things that you wouldn't necessarily share other places. It's just a little, it feels, I think, a little more intimate and real. And there's aspects now of Instagram that are starting to replicate that, mm -hmm. um, that same kind of way. So it feels a little more genuine and like you're actually connecting with people. And I think 
to some degree that's true. But Snapchat can be really problematic. There's a lot of people doing lots of crazy crap on there because that no consequence free zone, um, that reputation still is very much alive and exists, I think. And so having conversations with kids about what I call ephemeral communication. So when things, you can have something and then have it disappear after a certain period of time, like that is just kind of varsity level social networking, I think. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me. So I'm 51. She's 41. And she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth. You can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, 
Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. And so having conversations with kids about behavioral expectations and what you're okay with them doing and not doing and what your values are and getting them to talk about what their values are in the face of that, I think is very important. Let's take a pause right now for this message and we'll be back with more explanations of all the apps that you don't know about yet. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash onboys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash onboys to get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Download your free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash onboys. All right, we're back for more about all those apps. Joe, I've already learned so much. What are the apps that we as parents should be on the lookout for and worried about? Well, you mentioned Kick. Like that is definitely uh, one that you want to watch out for. Kick is basically, you know, at its core, just regular texting, but it has its own kind of web browser in there and it, it hosts a bunch of different apps and games, some of which are just like silly, kind of like poker or Farmville kind of games, but other ones mimic things like Spin the Bottle and Truth or Dare and that, like that kind of stuff that gets a little more dicey. And Kick generally, I would say, is just, just a little more sexualized, even though it's directly kind of marketed toward teenagers. And so the tweens are also adopting it. It's been around for a really long time. Um, it's kind of like Snapchat's rowdier, more inappropriate cousin, I guess. <laughs> um, so that's definitely one to be aware of. Um, Kick is problematic and doesn't seem to have the motivation that Snapchat does of kind of like, oh, let's change the culture a little bit and grow up and and be a little more kind of solid and responsible. Uh, Kick does not seem to have that at all. So that one is, is kind of one to... Um, watch out for. I just want to ask about, you know, watch out for. What do you mean specifically? So if I see the Kick app on my kid's phone, or if I hear my kids talking about being on Kick, what should I do? I would ask them why they have it, why they think they need it, what what they're doing on there, and what it helps them accomplish that they can't do elsewhere. Uh, Kick uh, is kind of famous. There's nothing that your kids can really do on Kick that they can't just do with regular mortal texting and a web browser, um, they don't need to be kind of marinating in that culture in order to do those things specifically. So that that's a conversation to have. Um, the conversations I think that are important to have with apps uh, and what I really encourage parents to do is to have those conversations kind of ahead of time. So a lot of things can be avoided by kind of setting your phones or setting your parental controls where your kids can't download or delete anything off their phones without you putting in your password. 
that really helps, right? Because mm-hmm. then if they want to pick, then they have to come to you and say, I want this app. What is the app? And then they tell you, and then you can have a conversation about it and then decide. But it, the parents are just like, let their kids download whatever they want. And then maybe they do monitoring or maybe they just do spot checks and then they find something like terrible and they're like, oh crap, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So what to- is that parental control? What is the, like, where do parents find it? What's the name of it? How do they get that on their phone to begin with? There's lots of different ways and things that that parents can do. In my family, what we use is Disney Circle, which is Disney, and that kind of squicks some people out, I guess. But I really love Disney Circle. It is encompassing. It's easy to use. It's a device you plug into your house, and then it works over Wi-Fi, and now there's aspects where you can do data. So even when the kids aren't in the house, they can do it. But ah. it tracks um, It tracks what, where they go. It tracks what they do. Uh, you can set it for you know time limits. The phone doesn't work before this time in the morning. It goes to sleep on its own at this time of night. In between, you can use it for this many hours. This much of it could be Instagram. You can really customize it to each uh-huh. kid in a really great way. It's very user-friendly, not expensive. I love it. In terms of locking it down, usually it would be on the phone itself or maybe through your uh, phone company. So we're Apple people in my house. So on the iPhones, I just have the ability to access the app store and download things um, just locked down and have my code on it that my kids don't know. Nice. That's really helpful. And we have a deal in my house. So when my kids want something, they know they come to me and they have a Two, they have two minutes and they give me a pitch, right? This game, this app, this whatever, this is why I want it. This is why I need it. This is the good stuff I know about it. This is the bad stuff I know about it. And then they go away. And then I do my own research if I don't know about it already. And then, you know, I usually ask some clients about it <laughs> that are older. Um, and I kind of can splash around and, and look at it. And then we have another conversation. I love that approach. You know, first of all, you're teaching your kids you need to gather some information instead of just jumping into something. Do your yeah. homework, do your research, be prepared to make a case for it. Those are life skills. You're going to use that all the time. And your system has built in time for you to think and do your own research. Right. So often parents feel like they're on the spot and they don't know what to say or do. And so we react in the moment, positively or negatively. You build in time and your kids know, don't expect an answer from dad right now. Yeah, that's good. I hadn't thought about that way, but that's great. Yeah, because so many of our parental reactions are often sort of knee jerk. And the mm-hmm. kids are too. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. just because two kids on your lacrosse team have that app doesn't mean you need to have that app. Like, what is this app? What is, what's going on with it? And have them pause and think about it and look into it and see what they want to do. It promotes critical thinking, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life skills. Life skills. You used the term before, um, marinating in that culture. And along that line, I want to ask you, recently um, there was a mom named Joanna Schrader, and she's a mom of two boys, and she did a Twitter thread, and that became some articles about, if you have white sons, listen up. And her premise is that white supremacists are using memes and social networking to try and recruit boys. And I really want to hear your thoughts on this. I want to hear if you feel like, uh, you know, there's evidence to support that and um, what parents should know. I, I do think there's evidence to support that. Um, I, I think her, her piece was really uh, brilliant um, and, and well-timed. Like, I think that is going to be sort of the next big conversation. 
about social networking. Like up until this point, especially with parents and kids, um, it's been about like the predators and the sexting. And that is still definitely conversations that we need to be having. But there's this other layer now that we all need to be addressing about manipulation, about what happens to our information, about who's using it and why and what, not not just the content that we're creating, but the content that we're consuming. Mm-hmm. Because it's marketing, right? Um, it's manipulation by definition. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think it is definitely true, particularly like the white supremacist stuff, a lot of political stuff. They are uh, feeding it in terms of comedy and humor and jokes in sarcastic quotation mark and memes. And they are primarily targeting teenage boys, um, mostly because I think they are the population that is uh, not only involved in social media, um, it, they're involved digitally in a, on a, at a high, to a high degree, but they are also the least likely of the population to be having conversations, like bigger picture conversations with each other or someone else about what they're consuming online. So what is your thought on how parents can and should respond to that threat right now? You know, I've thought about this deeply because Mm. I have teenage boys that are right in that age group. I'm sure they're seeing this stuff online. I feel like running around with my hair on fire and wanting to look at everything on their phone is not going to help. And maybe I should focus on those big picture conversations and trying to, to bring additional perspective into their world. I think there's lots of little things that families can do, um, in particular, like taking time to talk about what are you consuming, like whether it's a a new TV show that you're binging on Netflix, or if it's a podcast that you're listening to, or a funny meme that you saw, like creating space, like at the dinner table where you talk about that kind of stuff. Like, what are you putting into your eyes? What are you putting in your ears? Just like we do with what our kids put in their mouths. Like, we're really good as parents about talking about Um, healthy versus unhealthy in terms of the food that they ingest, but we just need to use those same muscles and work with what are you putting in your ears. And and like we just talked about creating thoughtful uh, consideration about digital citizenship and critical thinking, right? Mm -hmm. So my son likes podcasts now. And so he talks about, oh, there's this podcast and there's that podcast. And I'm like, who is running the podcast? Where are, what are their stances? Where are their lines? Who do they have on? What kind of topics do they have? And having him kind of get into the habit of starting to vet the hosts of podcasts. Nice. Uh-oh, Jen, we're going to get vetted. I know, I know. You know, generally, I, my rule is uh, no phones at the table. That is the, the baseline rule. However, we break that rule or violate it sometimes because as we have these conversations about memes or funny videos we've seen, it just makes sense to pull it out and share it. And you know what? At that point, my kids are willing to pull out their phones and talk about things. And like, if I just show up in my 16-year-old's bedroom and be like, show me what you find funny online, that's not going to happen. No. But yeah, that's a, that's a great way to do it, I think, right? Just everyone gets, you know, two minutes during dinner to show like something interesting or inspirational or funny or scary or whatever, like something that pissed them off or something that made them mm-hmm. laugh. Um, that's a great like daily share to do as a family. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, Joe, what are your 
red flags? What should parents be really watching for as their kid is adding more apps? Where's the line? Where is too much? And how do we know? And then what do we do about it? Because as Jen said, you can't just walk into your 16-year-old bedrooms and say, okay, now we are taking kick off of your phone. When do parents worry? When should we? All the time. Parents worry all the time. When should we really worry about this specific topic? Not all the other ones. Well, I think the big things are um, the big things that are happening in real life as well. So I think um, looking at isolation, looking at depression, looking at anxiety is a huge one. And then looking at manipulation. I think those are the and self-esteem, right? Which are kind of all wrapped together, Mm -hmm. I suppose, in that in that category. So uh, I love that you guys had me on at this time of year. And in my experience working with parents, this is when I start to get a lot of emails. So I'm kind of geared up this week and next week, I'm going to be getting um, more and more voicemails and emails from panic parents. Um, This is kind of when stuff starts to hit the fan a little bit. The school year started, the shiny is off of it now, the honeymoon's over. And mm-hmm. I, and so this is a great time of year for parents to be thinking about this stuff and talking about this stuff. There's a big conversation that kind of also seems to happen on the cycle this year with adult social media about how terrible social media is for kids, right? And I really believe that that is not. There's a lot of good that comes from social media for kids. Um, the problems like with Instagram and your daughters and their self-esteem, like that it's not necessarily Instagram's fault, right? Instagram can be a breeding ground for self-esteem issues, especially for younger users and especially for girls, unfortunately, for our young girls. Most of the time, like the, the girls that the ad impacts the worst are the ones whose parents are not involved. Like they're not talking about Instagram. They're not talking about self-esteem. And then, you know, something happens, right? So if you are helping your kid and explaining like, hey, you are going to be watching YouTube, just so you know, let's go and we're going to have a conversation about manipulation and the ways that marketing and people are going to try to sway you and stick things in your ears and plant seeds that you may not want to be there. And have then things like YouTube and Snapchat become a lot less of a threat. And same with girls and self-esteem and Instagram and predators. Right, the kids who are most susceptible to predators online are the kids whose parents online. Mm. The predators will always be there. We can't do anything about that necessarily, but we can help our kids wade into those pools in a safer way. When we had Michael Reichert on um, earlier this year to talk about his book, the biggest thing I took away from that was the power of connection. That is what our kids most need from us. And so I cannot control what social media apps get created. I do not have control over how my kids use social media. I can guide, I can suggest, but that connection part, that's where I have the most control. I can work to help my kids feel safe and secure in their own skin, in their own minds, and in their homes. And ultimately, I think that's the biggest difference that we parents can make. Yes, that's lovely. I totally agree with that wholeheartedly. In terms of that, like when when kids are first starting out and they want to get on TikTok or Instagram, I always tell parents, get on TikTok and get on Instagram, be in there with them, learn how to use it. What a great way to stay connected to your kid, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't 
always do that. It really helps the kids in the moment because they like, they know grandma's watching or mom's on here too. Right. Like dad can see my Instagram feed and that helps tailor their behavior. But once they get a little bit older and their wings start to spread a little bit more, we're not always going to be on every social platform with them or have access to every feed that they have right. curate, right? Um, but if we can do that connection offline and just remind them that there's other ways to connect with people as well. And yeah, dad's not necessarily going to be looking at see everything you do on Snapchat, but we did talk about values and I know what's okay with him and I know what's okay with me. And even if I do something that's different than that, I'm going to feel weird about it. And that is really helpful. Mm-hmm. I want our listeners to know that if they want more details on any of these apps that we've talked about today, or even ones we have not mentioned, anything you hear your kids talk about, go to Joe's podcast. How can people find your podcast? Um, it's in a whole bunch of different places. Um, uh, I, like I said, I lead Apple, so it's definitely uh, in the iTunes or the Apple Podcast Store. And um, I am on Spotify and uh, Stitcher. So just everywhere you can look for and podcasts. And we'll put a link up in the show notes. How do you pronounce it? Is it appropriate? Yep. All right. Appropriate. appropriate. He's got in-depth discussions of what these apps are. Really short episodes too. So you can listen to it perhaps in the time after you drop your kid off at school. Like what, what did he say? Yeah. And, and, uh, and there's no like big language in there or anything like that. It's, it's for parents of course, but it, you could also listen to it with your kid on the way to school. Like your kid wants yeah. TikTok, like let's listen to tick about the episode about t- TikTok. So each each episode is a different app, and I kind of do a deep dive. Great way to stimulate the discussion too, because right? then if the kid's like, "Well, wait a minute," you can dig in. Yeah, yeah. What a valuable, valuable resource for our parents, Joe. Thank you for doing that, and I want our parents also to remember that you are also the author of The Pride Guide and they can find that probably anywhere books are sold, but we will also link to that in our show notes as well. Thank you very Uh, much. Do you have one parting big picture piece of advice for our parents that we haven't talked about yet? In terms of empowerment, I would say, again, to parents, you know, you don't have to understand every single app that is out there. There's dozens of them. They're changing all the time. Um, it's just exhausting. What you want to do is just get clear about what your values are and communicate those with your kid. Tell your kids like what you're okay with them doing, what kind of pictures you're okay with them having, who you're okay with them following and friending, and how they behave when they're doing that. And then it doesn't matter on some level if your kid is on TikTok or if they're on Snapchat or if they're on Kick or some other like scary ass app that hasn't even been invented yet, because what you're expressing to them is what their behavior expectations are, right? And that doesn't change between platform. So that that's a great way to kind of pour some cement in terms of like like you said that connection to your kid and then getting them to think about thinking about their behavior in kind of a meta way that's the muscles that we want that will serve them as they get older so focus on that rather than on what the app is how they behave on the app is the key thank you so much joe really appreciate this Thank you guys very much again for having me. So much fun talking to you guys. Uh, In my vetting, you guys definitely passed the litmus test. I love you. (laughs) Good. Yay, Jen. High five. Yeah, high five.
Thank you so much, Joe. This has been very illuminating. And I think our listeners are definitely going to be tuning into your podcast. As I want to well. know if Janet's going to download Snapchat next. Oh boy. I'll let you know when I do. You'll be my okay. first snap or my first chat. I don't even know. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank Bye, Joe. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.